Our second scripture passage is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. Excuse me. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The word of the Lord. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Joseph, son of David, or as I understand you say it here in this land, David's son. So you could say Joseph, David's son. And uh, at this time of year, you've heard a lot about me. Yes, I was an important part of that original Christmas miracle over 2,000 years ago. I hope you enjoyed all your Christmas celebrations. I I want you to know, though, that this whole Christmas thing cost me a lot. But but wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I was born in in Bethlehem, the city of David, which is about five miles south of Jerusalem. Um, There wasn't a lot of work there, so as a young man, I packed my tools and went north, up toward uh, the Sea of Galilee, a little town called Nazareth. Wait, you've heard of it? I'm surprised because it's just a small farming village. In fact, so small that people used to make fun of it. They'd say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, anyway, there was, there was lots of work there though, and that was important, uh, lots of carpentry work. Did, did I mention that I'm, I'm a carpenter? Yes. And that should tell you something about me. We carpenters are practical people. We like to work with our hands, um, something we can see and feel and touch. Um, Good solid wood, that's what I like, whether it's smooth wood or soft wood, um, hardwoods, good solid wood. In fact, I, I understand that some of you have doors wooden doors in your homes that are hollow in the middle? <laughs> I, I just can't understand that because you want good solid wood. I, I'm, 
I'm proud of, of the wood that I work with. Wood with integrity. Wood with integrity. Well, um, I understand uh, that these are called glasses uh, here, and, and I find them really quite helpful. May I? Thank you, thank you. Oh, there's many more of you out there than I thought. Oh, okay, okay well. Um, <clears throat> I, I went <clears throat> to Nazareth um, and built up a good carpentry business. I actually got involved in a synagogue, and, and life was good. Life was good. I was in my 20s when I met the most wonderful young lady. Um, she was about 15 and a half when we met. And before long, we were betrothed. Now, I understand you don't use that word much here, but that, that's like an engagement, except it's much more serious. Um, and it lasts about a year, sometimes a little longer than a year. Anyway, I found myself coming to love Mary. Uh, that, that was her name, Mary. I found I just loved her more and more. At times, she would laugh and her eyes would dance with joy. Other times, she was more serious and discussing life or the scriptures. Um, during our betrothal, I found myself dreaming of the house I would build her, the family we would have, our life together. It's strange, isn't it, how our hopes can be dashed, how dreams can become nightmares so quickly? One day I noticed Mary was quiet and withdrawn. And I asked her if something was wrong, and she said she didn't want to talk about it. So I began to think, well, did I do something to offend her? Or, or maybe I started worrying, maybe her parents had decided I wasn't good enough for her. Well, a few days later, when we were alone, I begged Mary not to shut me out of her life to tell me what was going on. I, uh, <laughs> I never could imagine what she was going to say. We were in the olive grove behind her home. I can picture it now. And she looked up at me and said, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And then, then she began to cry. <sighs> of all the things running through my mind, that was the farthest one. It had never occurred to me. Pregnant? I knew I had not been with her. And if not me, then, then who? It was so out of character for Mary. We had love. We had trust. We had our future together. How could this have happened? Well, when Mary regained her composure, she told me that an angel had appeared to her, a 16-year-old girl in a fifth-rate Galilean village, and that she was going to be the mother of Israel's Messiah. And then she said she was still a virgin, and the Spirit of God had come upon her and planted this baby in her womb. <sighs> I was furious. What did she take me for, a fool? I mean, it's one thing to betray our love, but it's another thing to make up a story that even a child wouldn't believe. I mean, blaming God, it, it bordered on blasphemy. I didn't believe it, and you wouldn't have believed it either. I, I want you to understand, being Jewish is important to me. I'm, I'm a righteous man, and I've tried to live according to the scriptures. But as soon as people hear that Mary's pregnant, of course they'll assume that I was the father because we were betrothed. And then my reputation will be ruined. 
Well, the more I thought about it, the more upset I became. So here's what I'll do. I would go before the elders at the city gate, explain that I was not the father and cancel our betrothal. But no, I, I couldn't do that. I loved Mary. I didn't want to shame her. So I decided I would just end the whole thing quietly and make up some story to, to tell people. Mary knew she had to leave Nazareth. I mean, this small town full of gossips. So she decided to go south, down to Hebron, to uh, visit her cousin, Elizabeth. She was an older cousin, more like an aunt or mother to Mary. And she knew that she and Zachariah would take her in and care for her. Well, that was definitely the most painful time in my life. I so wanted Mary for my wife, but I could never marry her now. As, and as hard as it is to admit, I found myself getting angry with God. He had brought us together. How could he let something like this happen? Why was God doing this to me? I tell you, I almost lost what faith I had. Then one night, I had a dream. And an angel appeared to me, Joseph Davidson. And he said this, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife, for the child she carries is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I, I was overwhelmed. Talk about shocked. A message from heaven to me, a simple carpenter. And it was exactly as Mary had said. She didn't lie to me after all. So as soon as dawn broke, I took off for Hebron. I told Elizabeth and Zechariah how God had spoken to me. And of course, I, I apologized to Mary for doubting her word. Then I took her back to Nazareth. And as soon as we could, we were married. Yes, Mary was my wife. But, but I want to promise you, I didn't consummate the marriage until after the birth. Well, I knew from that time forward our lives would never be the same. But in my simple faith, I thought God would make things smoother. <laughs> I was wrong about that. You see, just a few weeks before Mary was due to give birth, Caesar, Augustus Caesar, ordered a census for the purpose of taxation. And each of us had to return to the city of our birth. In your day, I understand that the census taker comes to you or sends something in what you call mail, but that never occurred to Caesar back then. So this meant I had to travel back to Bethlehem, my hometown. I wondered if I should take Mary with me. It, it would be a hard trip, but anything would be better than leaving her alone in Nazareth with all the condescending looks and dirty comments. So we made the trip, three long days. And I just knew that once we got to Bethlehem with my family there, everything would work out. <laughs> but again, I didn't think of all the crowds, all the people coming in. All my Davidson kinfolk had taken in more folks than they could handle. There's no way we could stay with them. All the inns were full, but, but there was one kind innkeeper who said we could find shelter in the cave out back, the stable, where he kept his oxen. 
so we tried to settle in there a little bit. And then, because of the rough journey, Mary started having contractions. And that very night, she gave birth to a beautiful baby boy. We wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. That, that's like a, that's a feed trough, that, which was better than putting him on the ground, of course. And then I just bent close and just stared at him, just looking into his face. And as I did, all kinds of questions began popping into my mind. Why had so many of my plans not worked out? If my wife was highly favored of God, and this was his plan for centuries, why this? Why a dirty stable? Why the animals and the cold? I mean, there was nobody even there to celebrate with us. Well, that wasn't exactly true. There were these, these shepherds, kind of country bumpkins, that appeared smelling of sheep and maybe a little wine too. Um, yeah, they just, they just came. They arrived unannounced. And they told us how angels had about scared them to death as they were out on the hillside with their sheep. One angel said that their Savior, the Messiah, was to be born in Bethlehem. And so then they described this heavenly singing with multitudes of angels. They were pretty excited, and, and they, they were really excited to find us. I, I mean, to find baby Jesus. They left praising God, saying they would tell everyone about this. You know the expression, God works in mysterious ways? Well, this was sure a mysterious way to confirm what he had revealed to us nine months earlier, that this little baby would grow up to be the Messiah of Israel. The census hubbub finally died down, and we connected with some of my family. The town needed another carpenter, so... We decided to stay there, make a new start of it. Then about a month after Jesus was born, Mary and I took him to Jerusalem to offer the required sacrifice and to dedicate him to God. Are you ready for another God works in mysterious ways? <laughs> We're standing in the temple when this older man comes up to us, introduced himself as Simeon, and he took and he told us that, that God had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Then he took Jesus in his arms and declared that our baby was to be God's salvation for both Jews and for Gentiles. Well, we were just trying to process that when a few minutes later, this old lady walks up to us, said her name was Anna. She saw Jesus and kept thanking God for him for sending the Messiah again. And then she began to tell everybody about it. Oh, on the trip back to Bethlehem, Mary and I kept discussing these new confirmations, one by a woman, of all things, and, and one by a man, that our baby was to be the Messiah. Well, we began to settle into daily routine, had, but we had more visitors. You'll never guess, you could never guess who these visitors were. Really? Well, you're right. I mean, wealthy astrologers from Arabia who had followed this special star. They were looking for a new king. We were ever surprised. They kneeled down before the baby Jesus and gave him gifts, frankincense and gold 
and myrrh. We sure didn't know it then, but we would soon need those gifts. You see, a few weeks later, I had another dream. An angel warned me to take Mary and Jesus that very night and flee to Egypt. And without that gold and expensive perfumes, we never could have survived there. Those gifts were God's special provision for us. You see, we were Jewish immigrants, strangers in a strange land for about two years. And then it happened again, a third dream. And the Lord told us that we could return to Israel. I was looking forward to getting back to Bethlehem, of course. But God said, no, we should go to Nazareth to the gossip and the suspicion the raised eyebrows, the dirty jokes. Talk about God working in mysterious ways again. You know, when I was a young man, I thought if I could see an angel just once, I'd never have any doubts. Well, angels appeared to me three times, and they were just as real as you are sitting out there today. But when things didn't work out like I hoped, I confess that Sometimes I doubted God. It was especially hard when the townspeople poked fun at young Jesus. They'd say things like, you, we weren't born of fornication like you were. Or sometimes the kids would say, you're the boy with two fathers, aren't you? Joseph and your real father. Well, they never let him forget it. They never let Mary or me forget it either. It, it was hard. One thing I held on to, though, through those times of doubt and difficulty was a sentence from the Holy Scriptures. Over 700 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah had written, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God with us. And some days, that's all I had to hold on to that God was with us. I'm sure some of you people here today are like my wife, Mary. You have a strong, maturing faith. You know God's word and you try to live by it. You're devoted to him, helping advance his kingdom in big ways and small ways. But some of you, though, may be more like me, practical people. You live in a world of cause and effect. You like things you can feel and hold and measure. You find it harder to believe. Faith might seem to come and go. I was sure after those messages from God that I would never doubt again, but I did, especially in the tough times. And, and you may be like that. You may believe your doubts and doubt your beliefs. Sometimes you may wonder if you believe at all. Well, I want you to know that I understand. But in spite of all my questions and all the hard times, I decided to trust God, even when I didn't feel like trusting Him. When I thought God wanted me to do something, I simply tried to do it the best I could. And I find it helpful to repeat a prayer that my ancestor, King David, wrote in one of his psalms. He said, I want to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. 
lead me in your truth. What's amazing? God did just that. He did lead me. He did use me, even with all my doubts. I, Joseph Davidson, put my thumbprint on the Son of God. I taught him to be a carpenter, a hard worker, an honest man. Jesus made the best oxen yokes in the whole region. I taught him that. I put my mark on the Son of God. Sometimes working side by side in the carpenter shop, I would say, son, people are a lot like wood. Some are bent crooked, made that way by hard times or problems around them. Some people are coarse and hard. Others are like fine grain and smooth. Many are fragile, easily broken, but they're all made in God's image. There's something good in each person. They just need the touch of the master's hand to become all that God intended them to be. Of course, Jesus is that master, the savior of the world, and he put his mark on me. So, so that's my story. Thanks, thanks for letting me share it. Yes, it, it cost me something to obey God, but it was worth it. I came to realize that God uses plain people just like me. When God sent his son to earth, he put him in the care of a commonplace carpenter who learned the best he could to trust God through his doubts and disappointments and pain. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we will never understand the mysterious ways you work to fulfill your plan. But thank you for using ordinary people like us to accomplish your eternal purposes. I want to pray for these folks here today, especially those who are going through times of doubt, disappointment, or pain. Might they lean on Jesus, our Emmanuel, and remember that God is with us. Yes, Lord, you are with us, and you will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Give heed to what we say. Jesus Christ is born today. Earth and heaven before him now. But he is in the manger now. Christ is born today. Christ is born. Christian man rejoice with heart and soul.
Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save.